So what? Uh, so they caught the guy. They they put him in the interrogation. So what's the what's the reason that they can't nail him for it? Because he didn't do it. Yeah, but that's just logistics, right? So what's the real reason? Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and I finally watched Memories of Murder. And this is Alon, and I also finally watched Memories of Murder. So this worked out really well, Alon. The other day, you were just like, I'm ready to watch another Bong Joon-ho movie, uh, because we did The Host a while back. And then, lo and behold, Memories of Murder is like, it's his second feature, but it's probably, it's the one that made him famous. But anyway, it came to Hulu. The only movie of his I have not seen is his first one. Uh, it's called Barking Dogs Never Bite. And it's apparently just like a straight dark comedy. That's a which, sick ass title. It's pretty good. Although sometimes barking dogs bite. But, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of humor in all of his movies. Eat like, Every single one of them has like very hilarious moments in them, including memories of murder. But I'm very interested in seeing his first one because it does seem like it might even be more comedic. And I was like, how am I ever going to see this? And then that one's on Hulu too. Not that I'm suggesting we do an episode, but I am going to watch it very soon. Cause, oh, his uh, first one? Yeah. Because you yeah, just said I, the other day, you were like, we'll never be able to watch that. I know. I know. And then I was like looking like, all right, let me figure out how I can do this, where I can find this at. And I, I think it's because Hulu now has almost all of his movies except Okja, because I think that's like a Netflix exclusive. And then I think Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer's on like Tubi or something right now. But anyway, you can literally see all of I his like, movies. I like how you're like, oh, let me somehow bootleg this like back network to try to get this Korean. F- oh, it's on Hulu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I got my hacker gloves on and everything. And then I just, <laughs> I just went onto Hulu and found it. So. Um, I'm awesome. pretty excited to watch that one. And actually, I just watched, he has like a, uh, an anthology film with two other directors called Tokyo. And it's like three short films that take place in Tokyo. Um, it's probably like my least favorite of anything he's done, but that's really just, he, everything else is kind of amazing. So, um, but this might be, this is one of the tops now. Um, I really like Mother, which you haven't seen. And uh, Parasite's obviously amazing. Um, but this is so good. And for it to be his second film shot 18 years ago. Yeah. Um, the look of it was just incredible. Like uh, one thing I noticed too, and you know, certain directors, you like, you can really like see the camera work and like, it's, it's done in a way that like really impresses you. Um, and this is one of those where like there were certain shots where I'm just like, that's just done so perfectly. So a couple of things. First off, I hear that he's actually in line to direct his first animated movie, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, second of all, I am beginning to kind of understand myself in film better by doing this. I guess, I mean, we've been doing this for a year now. Yay us. Um, but I have... You know, people ask me like, oh, you like film? You've done film? What's your favorite genre of film? And I was like, drama, I guess, you know? But now I can like say like, I think it's suspense, crime, dramas. Like that is my favorite because I love, if done well, I love the journey that the director and the writer takes you on. Like Seven, Zodiac, um, 
what's that Jake Gyllenhaal movie with uh, prisoners, right? Yeah. Prisoners. Amazing. 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 Like that's my favorite type of movie. And it's always hard for me to like really get into a foreign film right off the bat because you, you get to the point, just like I feel like you get to the point with black and white movies that eventually you just, your brain starts just seeing color, like what the color would, you know, it doesn't bother you as the more you get into it. So the translation and the subtitles stopped bothering me about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes into the film. Um, and I knew that was going to happen. I was like, all right, Bong Joon-ho, let's just go for a ride. Let's just, I'm going to enter the film and I'm just going to go. And I'm really glad I did. And I'm glad I took it that way because um, I knew right off the bat, I was like, all right, it's crime, it's drama, it's, you know, murder and shit. So the the ride that this film like took you on a, a, as the audience, I enjoyed it so much. I think one of the reasons you're liking that genre is you're just, we're not doing a lot of bad movies although the two movies after this may be bad. Uh, spoiler alert on those episodes. But like you just mentioned, you know, David Fincher movies and then Denis Villeneuve movies and then Bong Joon-ho movies. Like, it like doesn't the, top, matter. <laughs> the top three directors of our time, maybe. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not naming bad people, so it, they're going to be good. Um, but I think this is like, you could tell, I don't know, kind of from the opening that it was going to be good. And then... The second, the second time I watched it through, I was just like the whole time just kind of, the first time I watch a movie, I'm just sort of ex- experiencing it and like a lot, well, I miss a lot of stuff. And then the second time I watched this one, I'm just like looking at it as like a piece of art. I was just like, you know, all these little things that you see, you're just so amazing. It's just, and just like how beautiful it looks considering it's so old. And then I don't even know what the budget was this was for for this uh, for this what's, movie, but it's just it's just like beautifully done. What's crazy for me is the pacing of the film, how like quickly everything is just like, OK, now we're here. Now we're here. Now we're doing this. And I'm like, we're literally 15 minutes in the movie and we're already beating the shit out of a guy interrogating, interrogating him for the movie, uh, for the for the crime. And I was like, is this is this it? Like, I mean, it, it sets it up so well that it's like, yeah, this guy did it 100%. And we're going to beat the um, confession out of him. I'm like, I knew this was a short movie, but damn, this is a short movie. Uh, but then the twists and turns that it takes you from there is so cool. Like, it's so cool. By the way, I would consider Old Boy like one of those types of movies, right? Um, and I consider Spike Lee being like a pretty good director right but i hate the old boy remake and so i i would not say just because it's that genre or it's a good director i think it has to be like it like the movie itself has to work have you seen the old boy remake i have oh you watched it yeah yeah it's bad yeah it's bad have you seen the original no i never saw the original that's not the way you want to do that. No, uh, I know. By the way, real quickly, this made this was made for two point eight million dollars, and it its opening weekend in the U.S. it made five thousand dollars. But that's just because it was so limited here. I mean, this was honestly a movie up until <laughs> you were going to say five million dollars. No, five thousand uh, dollars. It made a total. It's made a total of fifteen thousand dollars. How much did it make in Korea? 
Uh, it's worldwide gross was 1.1 million. Um, I don't know. I mean, since then it's, it's had to have made it back. Like this is now like being released. Um, and you know, it's on Hulu and then it's being released on DVD and like Blu-ray here. So like, it's going to make more money. Um, I think we should just probably start from the top because one thing I didn't, I didn't put together until the second viewing, but the opening shot of the little boy staring into the camera, it's just like, it opens with that shot and then ends with the shot of, of detective park at the end, staring into the camera. And it's obviously like supposed to be this kind of full circle thing. Um, and I think there's like a lot of symbolism, obviously in that, but it's just like really cool. Like the way he, like the way the little boy is staring into it. You think he's the little boy? He's not, he's absolutely not the little boy. I think it's kind of probably some sort of like innocence versus innocence lost thing going on there. Well, obviously I think that's the whole theme of the movie. Um, but it's just a cool shot. And it's a cool way to open the movie. Actually. And we're going to get into it, uh, in a bit because this is at the very end of the film spoilers, but no spoilers. Um, the character arc of our main characters in the film is one of my favorite switches of character arcs that I've ever seen in a film. Yeah. And it's done, you know, when I first watched it, I was like, Oh yeah, just that happened so suddenly. But then you like, when you watch it again, it's just so subtle and it's like, it's, it's coming. It's It's really, it's really well done. So good. I mean, detective Cho, Joe, he, he he didn't really have a great arc. Are you talking about the foot guy? Yeah. Yeah. Kickboxer. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not talking about him. He's not, he wasn't one of the main characters. He was a, he was like one of the primary characters, but I'm talking about the two main characters. Detective So and Detective Park, which by the way, I don't even know that they ever say Detective Park in the movie. I only know they that because it, yeah, it's only, it it's on credits. IMDb, which is also funny too. Like the IMDb names are slightly different than the names that were in the subtitles. Like the guy who kicks people is named Detective Cho on IMDb, but it's Detective Joe on the subtitles when I was reading it. So I'm going to kind of go back and forth on that as we're going through this. Let's just call him Cho and go from there. Fine. Um, I, I do like they do a good job of like setting up Detective Park in the beginning. Like he's too lazy to walk out to this crime scene. So he has like these people like on a tractor drive him out there. Yeah. And it's kind of a good way to set up like who he is. Um, you know, and then the little kid, like, you know, we were talking about how like the little kid and him are like juxtaposed beginning and end. The way the little kid mimics him, I think is also kind of that's part of what's going on there. Yep. Um, but also there's a lot of like, I think themes and like things that Bong is trying to point out probably about like the way police work is done in Korea and also just like in this little area. Cause if you, the first two crime scenes, like there's kids running over the first crime scene and like grabbing the clothes off of this, you know, that were, around this woman and like playing with him and they have to tell the cops to stop the cops has to tell them to you know drop it and then the second crime scene we get to you know there's a footprint and he's like all right everyone we gotta guard this but then the cop kind of just walks away from it and a tractor rolls over it so he loses it and there's just people all over it so it's like pointing out that like you know this is a this is a town where this doesn't happen. So it's like you have these bumbling detectives who aren't good enough to solve this, this chief that's not good enough to help them solve this. Yeah. They're, 
the people aren't used to like dealing with crime scenes. And I think it's like, it's so perfectly like put in the audience's mind. Like this is what this area is like without just having like detective park when detective, uh, Sayo, detective, Suh. I'm just going to say detective, Suh. when detective, Suh comes into town, you know, you don't have this like monologue from detective park. Like we don't normally deal with this and this, you know, people aren't used to this and da, da, da. It's just like, you see it through the movie. It's not explained to you. Yeah, and I think that's like that. <laughs> Detective Park's laziness is incredible through this entire film. Um, up to the point where he basically just makes up evidence just to frame someone just so that they can close the case faster. Yeah. And at first it kind of makes you like super lose respect for him. But it kind of, for me, I, I was like, all right, this is our main character. We're supposed to be rooting for him. Obviously, he's going to try something here. And I thought he was just doing it to like, hey, look, we have the evidence we need to back you up. You just might as well confess. And it, that is kind of the way it worked out. The guy was like, you know, I, I didn't do it, you know. And he's like, well, damn. Like, if he did it at that point, he would have confessed. He's not smart enough to keep up the ruse. So I guess... He didn't do it. And that was like the first bit of turn, right? Um, a little bit. Yeah. And I, we'll get to that in a second. I think especially to it, like the restaurant after, after everything goes to shit with the first suspect. Yeah. Um, but I did like also too, I think the music in this movie was pretty great. Like the, there's like a somber piano music as he's riding out to the first crime scene. And there's like music throughout this that I think is pretty, it, it like reminded me of like, it reminded me a lot of Zodiac, like the feel of the movie, which is funny too, because this came out first. Um, but especially like with the music used, I was like looking up some of the songs, just like, oh, those are pretty great um, as it was going through. The, um, the film really gave me kind of this like, zodiac seven sort of feel but more so in a way that it kind of hit all the cliches without hitting all the cliches and i guess what i mean by that is like these are bumbling cops they don't know how to handle something like this so then they're gonna bring in a big city cop to like deal with it um and you're like oh my god this is like the same fucking story over again you know that we've seen so many times but it's so different. It's so different, um, but also similar. Right. I also, I liked, once again, talking about Detective Park, like setting up his character in the beginning, the montage of him dealing with all these suspects that he thinks and like taking their pictures. Yeah. Um, especially love like when he's messing up with the typewriter and the guy, the suspect fixes it for him. And like, he like, hey, what are you doing? Like, you know, gets mad at him for making him look, look stupid. But I think all of that is like, one, they were doing that during the credits, which is, I love when like directors are like economical with the credits and like, we're not just going to, you know, waste the audience three minutes. Like, let's get something done. Like seven. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then also, but setting him up more of the talking to his chief about how he can read people and his chief points out like the rapist and the brother of the victim is like, which one is which? And you can just see him staring and like having no idea. <laughs> and like the theme throughout the movie of him not being able to like read anything 
but thinking he can, I think is pretty great. No, but that, I mean, that's so powerful that you said that because that even plays at the very, very end, at the very, very end um, with the, what is it? A DNA test, I believe. Right. And yeah. 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 Um, and so the way Bong Joon-ho has set up these characters to ultimately fail at everything they do uh, is really cool because you're expecting this like really, really big payoff in the end that we as the audience, and we, we don't get it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like the ending. I, I, I was a little, it's one of those ones that you have to like ponder and we'll obviously talk about it more, but after like thinking about it and like letting it sit with me, I definitely thought it was a, a great ending and we'll talk about why, like there really wasn't a choice otherwise. Um, I want to ask you, so after, after this part and before it's after the second crime scene where like, once again, everyone's an idiot, the tractor runs over the shoe print. Um, Detective Park goes to, I think her name's like Kwok Sul Young. And I think this is one of those, one of those things where like, it's hard as like a non-Korean person to understand some aspects of the movie. Yeah. It seemed like she was a prostitute, but like, I couldn't exactly tell what she was. Cause like, it starts with him having sex with her, but then she's doing all these other things for him. Like later on in the movie, she's like getting medicine for him. And I mean, later on, I think she marries him and like has kids with him. So there's a scene with detective Park at the end. That's her. I, I thought, I thought she was his girlfriend. But he makes this comment about he's like everyone in town comes to you, because I thought that she was the nurse. Maybe that's what I'm saying. It was a little hard for me to figure out. Look, everyone knows clearly. Watching this movie, she's the prostitute nurse of the town. I, I guess well, because even about the medicine, she's lying about who she's giving it to. And then also, he said you make more money now than when you were nursing. That's what I'm saying. It was just it was like that part was a little hard for me to follow. Like. The second time watching it, I was like, I don't think she's a prostitute. But the first time I watched it, I was like, that's what I thought was going on. Hmm. I know. But I see it. I see what, I see your confusion. I just, I just always thought it was just his, his girl. Yeah. And I didn't mean to offend the, the, the character. So I apologize. Um, <laughs> yeah. You, you <laughs> clearly didn't mean to offend all the Korean prostitutes of the nation. No, no, no. They serve a great purpose. So... She also is there to basically point the finger at Quang Ho, who is, you know, somewhat mentally challenged and also ha- had an accident early as a child where he was burned on the face. You, you said this before um, outside of this podcast, but you, you were like, if this actor isn't actually mentally challenged, he's doing an amazing job. And I, I couldn't agree more. No, he's yeah, he's really fucking great in this movie. Um, would you say funny. he's like up to the caliber of like Leo DeCap in uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, I think he's. I think this is a little bit more of a subtle performance. Like obviously DiCaprio's. We talked about how it was well done, and he you know studied uh, to do it. But this was this was just really great. This guy. Um, so I don't want to. I don't want to choose sides here. Um, I think the uh, the interrogation too kind of sets up the a thing you really wanted to bring up the first time you talked about this, which was Detective Cho and 
like what he loves to do to when he's interrogating people. Well, because I thought that was a pretty cool character arc that ended in more of an ironic way. Um, but yeah, he just fucking likes to beat the kick the shit out of people. He has a special sock that he puts around his boot so he doesn't like leave bruises and scars. Oh, I thought it was to like. I I thought he did that. So he wouldn't leave his like shoe print on the victim or like their blood wouldn't get and mess up his shoes. I think he said it so it doesn't break your skin. So I think the the softness still hurts and it probably will still bruise. But maybe not. Um, but I think it's so that it doesn't leave visible. Just marks. some just some internal bleeding instead of external. That's correct. And yeah, I just think that part was it's it is a funny character arc for him. It, it, he's definitely like some of the comic relief and you can tell he's obviously like an idiot. Yeah. He plays an idiot very well. Like he does a great job too. So I think this, this movie mainly kind of goes off of what's morally correct and what's like, like legally, like it, it goes on a fine line. <laughs> I guess that's not really fine because they do a lot of illegal shit as cops to like try to find who have who who's done these murders. Oh yeah, I mean I think it's definitely I, I looked in a little bit to the backstory of this and so I want to talk about that more at the end. But I mean the the movie is definitely like commenting on the police practices like in this country and you know obviously something that uh the US has dealt with too. Um and just showing one like this is not right and two it's not leading to any results like you're like they almost convicted two innocent people before they got to who they actually thought did it. And in the end, he may have been innocent too. You know what I mean? And so they were doing these things that weren't right. And they were he might've not committed the murders, but that dude was not innocent. Yeah. We'll talk about that. He's, it's not, he, he did not act innocent. Um, the next thing, which is my favorite shot in the movie is when we finally meet detective. Sa. um, the shot of him walking way in the background towards the camera and the like the scarecrow thing that says like to the person, like turn yourself in or we'll fucking get you, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's like probably the coolest shot in the movie. And then the woman thinks that detective says like trying to get her, <laughs> which is, and, and then detective park with the, the drop kick down the hill, which is so great. Yeah, like he's trying to trying to do Detective Joe's move, but then like fails ultimately. Well, I like he's like, man, you should have told me. How can you be so bad at fighting? Detective says, like, how can you be so bad at reading people? Which is once again what we talked about. Like, it, you know, it's just like off the bat, Detective says, like, okay, so this is what I'm working with. Like, this is who's. No wonder these haven't been solved yet because this is who's leading the investigation. But again, he's trying to protect her right but he's a bumbling idiot that really can't but he's trying so it's this whole like battle with like doing the right thing being like morally obligated because he's a police officer to do that right thing and yet be completely inept and like frustrated to put in the work to actually do the good thing that needs to be done does that make sense well yeah he like he does a lot of work but he just doesn't know what he's doing so it's like a lot of useless work honestly the most frustrating character is the freaking captain the first one the the one that's like 
oh we got him boys let's take the picture for the <laughs> for the fucking in front of the staircase and like thumbs yeah, up well, for the newspaper and yeah yeah we'll get we'll get to that in a second i do want to say i love in the first part of the movie when you meet detective Su, it's a lot of just like puzzled looks like he sees detective park like putting in the shoe print and then taking a picture of it and he's just like what the fuck is this guy doing yeah and then he later on like as park is trying to use the boot print with uh quang ho to like get a confession he's just looking at him like what the fuck oh this is this was your plan okay like this is not gonna work um I did love the scene of Quang Ho, Detective Cho, and Detective Park just watching TV and eating. Like, I thought it was just really funny. Because it's like they're normally beating the shit out of this guy. But they took a break. Yeah, to watch TV and eat. And it's like, I think you only really understand after the fact that they were beating the shit out of this guy when they get to the next guy. Like, how bad they got. Um, Yeah. But that, that was just like a scene that was really funny to me. Um, moving on from that, which I think like Quang Ho is the most depressing thing about this movie. Yeah. Um, between what happens to him and just his condition and everything. But I like when they say like, oh, they have another suspect. So Quang Ho must be innocent. And so Detective Park buys him shoes, buys him like a pair of Nikes. Well, that's not even how that went down, though. Like, they didn't find another suspect. He, so they have, like, the mountain confession part where they take him up there and, like, we're going to bury you alive. And he's, I think this is pretty important because he's, like, going through and saying all these things that, that seem to be right. And you have Detective Su in the background, like, listening. And he's like, oh, shit, he's getting a lot of this right. And then in the end, he, like, says something. And they're like, okay, that wasn't it. Detective So walks off because he's like, okay, this guy clearly didn't do it. Um, you know, it, the this is the one of the scenes too where I think Quang Ho, the, the actor who plays him, like does the best job. Just I think the acting is really well done. I also think the camera work, the way it like zooms in and on all the different faces as this is going on, as they're feeding him lines, I think is is really great. Um and then after this, he, you have the scene where they're trying to reenact what happened and detective suck comes up to the captain and in one of my favorite lines and like it's a it's a saying that i didn't know i needed in my life but you're dumping shit on cooked rice (laughs) which i think is so great um what's really great about the reenactment is that they have like a full-on audience for that reenactment and so what better way to like embarrass the entirety of the police force is during that reenactment well and like you said the chief is an idiot detective Su is coming over like hey you need to stop this now before we look bad and he immediately gets like that it starts to look bad and what i think is really like amazing about this scene and i don't know if you noticed that so quang ho's dad shows up and like is like you've been you're innocent i know it and the news starts like running out there like questioning them like did you torture him you know as they're running away it's in slow-mo but the audio is not in slow-mo? Yeah, I noticed that too. That was amazing. Yeah, it's so fucking good. It was like so good. But this does lead to like the eating scene that I was talking about that I think is pretty crucial. Like leave some breadcrumbs for you later on because Detective Park is like, oh, I knew that there was this guy. And Detective So's like, why? Because of those fake boot prints you put in there? 
And then Detective Park's like, what? No. I mean, like, did you hear the confession? He was saying all these things. And Detective says, like, well, you planted that too. Like, you fed him those lines, didn't you? And Detective Park's like, what? What are you talking about? And we get interrupted. And as an audience, you don't really know. Like, you just assume, like, oh, he must have fed those lines. And so it's, like, great writing to have, like, the reveal not be there where Detective says, like, oh, you obviously fed him those lines. And Detective Park's, like, confused by it. But then we, then that conversation gets interrupted by the food. So we don't get the answer right then. But then later on, Detective says, like, oh, you didn't feed him those lines. And that's how we know that, you know, Quang Ho was a witness. That's like a reveal like an hour later in the movie. I think that's like so well written, that scene. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I agree. Um, and it's funny too, because the switch up during the movie, that you're like, oh, Quang Ho definitely did it. Okay, maybe he didn't do it. But then you find out that he didn't do it, but he played like an integral part in the actual happenstance of the murder of being like an eyewitness to the murder, but he's too mentally stunted to fully grasp of what he witnessed. And that is like, it's kind of like that whole um, uh, thing that like evidence of something is only I'm going to butcher this, but it's like evidence is only admissible depending on who submits it or something like that. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's one. That one works. I don't know what that first thing was. Basically what I'm trying to say is that, well, yes, Quang Ho had like the right details, but they were looking at it from the wrong angle. And once they, started look once park basically got off of his lazy ass and started like actually like logically thinking about how this could have been done now we're getting somewhere you know he he had to just kind of look at it from a different perspective the same evidence just a different way right i think that the next scene to talk about is the new chief being brought in and um detective park doing like the briefing for the new chief is so hilarious and i always think like when there's a language barrier with a movie, if it can still make me laugh, then you know that it gets a really well done movie. Yeah. Um, the Untouchables is like the example that I think back to the most. Um, but that scene is so funny where he's just like, he, he plays an idiot so well. And it's funny too, in all of these Bong Joon-ho movies, uh, Kang Ho Song like plays an idiot. He's never like, he's never like the the brave character. I guess maybe a little bit in Snowpiercer, but like, he's just, he plays like an idiot so well. This parasite, like. I've never seen Snowpiercer. Well, I haven't seen it in years at this point. Um, What was he in Parasite? He's the dad. He's the, one of the main characters. He's the dad? Yeah, not the rich dad, the poor dad. This is the same actor? As the... Yeah, as Detective Park in this, yes. The same guy that was in The Host? Yep. Yeah, with blonde hair in that one. Holy crap. Yeah. He's good. That's true. Yes. Yes, he is. 
He's also in uh, this Korean movie I really love, this big epic. It's called The Good, the Bad, and the Weird, which mm. is obviously like The Good, the Bad, the Ugly. But Yeah, you're talking um, about it. Yeah, he's really great. I mean, he's great in everything. Um, but yeah, I love the, the chief being brought in. Um, and then they go to the first crime scene, and he asks detectives uh, Park and Joe, like, hey, do these people have anything in common? These, these women, they're like, oh, they're single and they're beautiful. And then Detective Sa, who's been doing all this like studying and research on his own, you know, we get earlier where he's like in the dark, like going through the files mm-hmm. and you get the civil defense uh, thing going off. I really love how well, I don't know a lot about Korean history in the 80s, right? But I really love how well he sets like the time and place of this when you have all of this like there's protest movements going on there's like obviously worried about like you know being hit with like missiles from other countries presumably north korea i guess right um so it was was very like well done that aspect of it um but then detective saw comes in and is like hey not only are these two single women yes but they're they're usually wearing red and it's always raining when they get killed and the, yeah. the the chief is like oh both women and he's like no all three yeah and then he's like three yeah and then they find the third victim and i love how how confident detective park and show are as they just sit there like oh there's no body to be found she totally went to seoul um and then they find it and the other thing too, you know, we talked about how like this, this town isn't used to this. And like, there's several scenes where like, there's just random cops throwing up because th- this isn't, they don't deal with this. You know, I, this is where it like really reminds me of like that trope where the cops are like in over their heads. Cause like the murderer is so like, smart genius or just you know whatever but he's just a normal murderer right and it what's funny is that these guys are so inept that as just a normal serial killer they just can't like grasp the concept of of this but what's so interesting to me and i think that's the point where i was just like all right i'm fucking in like i'm i'm invested in this movie is why the color red and why is it always raining and now it's just like my whole thing is like i want to know i don't care who i honestly don't care who kills who killed who i don't care who the killer is i just want to know why why is the color red special and why is it always raining well i mean in, in this movie you're introduced to so few characters that the reveal of who did it is pretty inconsequential like even if it had been like uh, Mr. Soft Hands in the end, we had figured out that he had done it. Um, that wouldn't have done anything because it's just Mr. Some... Soft Hands. Well, his name is also Park, and so from now on, I'm going to call him Mr. Soft Hands because I don't want to get confused. So in my head, he has always been Mr. Soft Hands. Um, so next, we get the scene where he gives him the fake shoes that you brought up, which I think is really funny. Yeah. But then to outdo himself, the next scene with karaoke and. Uh, detective park just it opens with him just singing and like really fucking work in the room yeah like the best karaoke i've seen done even in person um it was pretty great 
It was great. Uh, he bought him Nikes, by the way. Um, Nices. Nices. Yeah. And I like, I like how he's like, I love, you're going to buy him shoes. You might as buy him real ones. <laughs> well, it worked out that he saved some money. I also like Quenco popping out of the wall just out of nowhere. Like, there's no need for that to have happened. But it, like, it's just such a cool touch to the movie. And then yeah, him, what like, was that? Was that like a laundry shoot or some shit like that? I don't know what it was. But I have no idea. So remind me, because it's been a minute since I've seen this movie. Um, remind me, how did they get into that fight into the restaurant? Was it because everyone was just drunk? They were definitely shit-faced drunk. But what happened was this was the whole thing where uh, Detective Park was like, you know, he says, he says like, Korea is the size of his dick, which is like, I don't understand what was it say to him, small? Or was <laughs> But he was saying, like, you know, you're, you're acting like an FBI agent and America's so big that they have to use their brains. But in Korea, we have to use our feet. And basically just kind of... Which is an amazing line, by the way. That's like an amazing line. It's an amazing line that means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. Um, it means everything. What are you talking about? Because he's basically saying, like, America has the financial backing to, like, do, like, espionage and, like, you know stuff like you know more like technologically savvy stuff but in korea you have to use your feet you got to run around and figure it out for yourself there's not going to be like a computer or shit like that to do it for you yeah i mean i just took it more of he was saying you don't need to use your brain because you're trying to act all smart with all these like oh it's a red dress and it's it's always when it rains he's like and i'm just out here you know, he has that book where he's just taking pictures of potential people. And he's like, you know, that's it's the legwork of interviewing all these people that's going to catch this person. And it was clearly never going to. Well, what's funny is actually you don't know that, right? What's funny is that throughout the whole movie is I always thought that it was going to come back to being one of those guys. Yeah, well. Um, I do like too the chief like waking up out of a stupor and needing to throw up and then being like one. If you guys ever fight again, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And two, the next time it rains, this guy's going to kill. So, like, we have to be ready. Um, and then you get, I like, right after that, you get the, the woman hanging clothes. And you know immediately, okay, this is not a person I've seen. So, this is a person that's going to die. Yeah. Um, which, you know, sucks for her. But it that from that part where she leaves until she gets captured by the guy running out which is also like a very like i want to talk about that in detail but that whole part is fucking great that's terrifying that was like the the only really like horror movie aspect uh element to the to the whole film and it was uh it was terrifying up to like the very end of that scene because like yeah it's like building up that suspense well, go ahead. You talk about it, and then I'll talk, my, talk about my problems with it. Well, one, I want to say, like, the setup of it. Like, they have her hanging up the clothes, and then this, like, song plays, and it's, it feels like just, like, an American rock song from, like, the, you know, 70s or whatever. Yeah. And it's, like, but it's, like, a Korean song with, like, that's really, like, really well-placed in the movie, and it, it, it made it have that, like, Zodiac feel that we're talking about, like, very, like, contemporary movie. Um and then, you know, there's the protesters going on as they're, like, trying to set up their sting, which is, once again, like, the time and place of the movie. But I love, like, I love Detective Park and Cho, like, in the car. 
and they're like, well, do we have to do this every time it rains? Which to me had me questioning, is this the first time they've had to do this? Or is this like, is he saying from going forward, we're going to have to keep doing this? Or is he saying like, we've been having to do this, but it like not as doesn't matter. And this also sets up like, you know, the, the decoy cop that they're using and then the relationship with the two girls, which comes into play later. I thought that was um, funny. But what I think the coolest part is as the woman who has the umbrella, like she leaves her house and she's wearing something red and she looks in the mirror and she's like, oh, fuck that. And like takes it off. Yeah. But as she's walking through the fields, you can see the head pop up in the fields yeah. behind her. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's so good. Like that could come off as hokey, but it was no, nah, it was so great. So my issue was that I love that. I love that part that in the background, out of focus, you see the head pop out out of the fields. The, ho- the hokey part to me is the very ending shot where you see the full body like on all fours running out of the field like to her, like tackling her. Uh, I was like, all right, that would have been cooler if you couldn't see like the whole thing. I think it would be cool if it's like from a distance, you saw like the silhouette of that going down or something. But the, the, the fact that she had like a lantern or a flashlight or something, right? Right. The fact that it was in full like light of of her light source i don't know that came off as a little hokey well also if you like rewatch it you can tell it's like not the dude it's not mr soft hands it's just like a crew member that they had climb out <laughs> it was out of focus it happened so fast it was like the motion blur you could see a little bit you could tell it wasn't mr soft hands the guy was not as beautiful as mr soft hands yeah, the 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 creepy Mr. Softhands guy is good, was good looking. Um, also, I forgot to mention the two girls talking about the crazy person in the shit house, but then the other girls like, no, no, it's a crazy woman who fell in there and died, yeah. which like leads to kind of an important point later on. Yeah, um, maybe actually, I was that's the only part of the movie that kind of lost me. Maybe when we get there, you can explain it to me, like a like a dummy I am. Well, it's, it's a little, it's like not, it's not spelled out for you very well. We can talk about it a little bit now, but like, there's this rumor about these, the outhouses at this school and the one little girl who's going to become more important as the movie goes on, she is saying, no, there's this crazy woman who fell down and you can hear her wailing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's obviously the woman that lives near the school probably like Mm -hmm. uses those bathrooms or something sometimes. And people have heard her crying or people can hear her crying from the bathroom. And so it's like, you know, you but have what, little... my confusion, I got that part, but my confusion is what connection does she have? What leads? She was raped. By the guy? Yeah. Oh. And, uh, and what you learn from that is that he only kills the women that look at his face. So if they don't see his face, he is fine just raping them, but he kills them in order to not get caught. So why the red? I don't. I think that might have just been a coincidence because the umbrella lady didn't have red. She almost had red. Yeah. Well, I mean, you see from the end of the movie, right? When I don't want to talk about it too much, but there's two women, and the guy's choosing between them, right? So I mean, he's he goes out in the rain after listening to the song, presumably. Like someone's getting killed. So if there's no one with red, I don't think he goes home and is like, "All right, we'll wait till it rains again." Yeah. Maybe um, red, maybe like 
you know how yellow is a very popular raincoat color here in the states right maybe red is a very popular raincoat cover in the in korea maybe i don't know i don't have the information so after this woman's obviously attacked we get the the crime scene portion of it and i uh Nothing really great comes out of it. And you get Detective Park telling Detective So, like, all this great work you've done. And, like, we have nothing to show for it. <laughs> Detective Park's like, well, maybe, you know, we haven't found any hairs on any of these victims. And you usually find hairs with rape cases. So it's probably someone that's either naturally hairless or shaved mm-hmm. down there. And Detective Cho's like, oh, the, the, the temple is across the street. Should we go? should we go over there and like actually looking at the chief, like this is a real, uh, like this is the next line of attack on this case. And he's just like, what the fuck am I dealing with here? Yeah. At that point, it seems like it's getting a little like too big for them. Like, I guess the whole thing kind of seemed like too big for them because they were such idiots. But like, since, uh, since they brought in the detective from Korea, you know, what's interesting about, about, um, what's his name? Dr. Uh, Ah, uh, God, I'm tired. Detective um, so, Choi? Cho, there's Cho, which is the kick guy. There's no. Detective Park. No. And then there's Detective Sa. Sa. Sa, 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 Sa. So, the thing about Detective Sa is that he's from Seoul. And there, I'm like, oh, they bring in a big city detective. But that's not really how it went. He volunteered to be transferred to to deal with this case. Yeah, and they don't give you a lot of details about that, but you're also like, do you need it? Yeah, I kind of figure need- that he probably lost someone, like a lost a, a sister or a wife. That would be like the American version where we need to explain why he came down here. And in this movie, we're just like, he's fucking down here and he wants to help solve this. Um, but this is also the point where Officer Kwan brings up the sad letter song that gets played on the radio. Um, yeah. You know, what's pretty crazy about this too is Park makes fun of her for this is like this is stupid we shouldn't be going down this line whatever and he turns out to be right in the end that that actually probably didn't mean anything it's hell of a coincidence it's i mean it is it's really fucking weird i but at the same time you could say that we can go into more detail later about like why mr soft hands didn't provide like a better story for why he was innocent and just was like fuck you guys i'm not i'm not doing anything um, but it, it could be that he was just having that song played on rainy days and the killer also liked to murder on rainy days. And that's why it worked out. Yeah. Or he could have done it. Oh, he probably did it. Totally probably did it. Except he didn't. Um, and then you get the scene of Detective Park going in and just checking out dicks and like bathhouses and washrooms and like telling the guy, oh, hey, wait a second. Okay, never mind. Um, That's pretty funny. It is good. Uh, and then the next really cool scene is the uh, scene where they, you know, all the detectives end up in the woods and you get the guy that you think did it. And I really thought when we first see this, that this was going to be the guy because it was like the right time in the movie for us to like get close to catching him. I thought he was going to get away. Um, but that scene is pretty like thrilling. That scene is my favorite scene. So you have the three detectives in the woods. Two of them are on one side of the trail and the other one is on the other and they don't know each other's there, right? Such perfect. a great, sh- the way the camera is set up on that, so fucking good. Yeah, perfect setup. Amazing, beautiful. 
the guy starts jacking off in the middle of the trail, right? Just over the bra and the panties everywhere. And then someone fucking snaps a twig. Um, Joe. Yeah, he snaps the twig, which is so funny too, because again, it's his foot. Just the whole, everything is revolving around his foot. His right foot. His right foot. Um, he gets severely punished for that a little bit later, but but um, he snaps a twig, which sends the pervert off in like a running frenzy. And then all of a his, sudden... He got his pants up very quickly, though. That logistically didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but... Dude's fast. Dude's fast runner, fast pants puller upper. What's those pa- it's those panties he wears. Dude, I don't care what you say about a thong. It's the easy breezy, like, you know. It was like, it was like almost bedazzled in the front, though. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the front. I was, was looking it? at that, I was looking at that whale tail. You're looking at sweet ass. <laughs> the, the whole thing is, is, though, is that now it's like a three-person chase, right? They're chasing him all over this small little ass town. And <laughs> ass town. And um, they're... I love the part where they lose him. I think it's Joe, Sue. Someone uh, jumps on a wall. It's Joe. And then all of a sudden you hear the dogs barking in the distance. And they're like, yep, it's that way. Which is like incredibly smart because well, the dogs barked at them, right? And then they heard other dogs bark in the distance. And they were like, oh, that must be a disturbance over there. And then the- It was the only non-inept thing that Joe did the entire movie. The non enough. The only like smart thing. Oh yeah, yeah. No, of course. So they start running over there onto this giant ass construction site, which I was like, oh my gosh, the production value of that construction site is amazing. Right? It was, uh, good. It was a good site. They get there and everyone looks the fucking same. Everyone's dressed in the same outfits, and the murderer just blends in flawlessly, except Go ahead, David. Yeah, shows that sweet ass to everyone when he bends over on a wheelbarrow. But who notices it? Detective Park. Yeah, and I think this is the point where Detective Park is like, hey, I actually might be a good detective after all, you know? <laughs> I like after he gets the guy. First, he like gives a signal to Cho to like fucking dropkick him. And then he grabs some random dude's water and just chugs it. He kind of felt badass. Oh, he's like, yeah, this is my moment. I've I've done this. Um, so. And I thought this was the guy, David. I really thought this was the guy. Yeah. You also run by those girls again, the school girls. It's it's like I think it's really purposeful to like get you in there, get in your mind what they look like because you know one of them is going to be important later. Um, I thought too. One, I thought this was going to be the guy because I thought they weren't going to catch him. I thought this was going to be like a close call situation. And um, maybe later, um, you know, they maybe catch back up to him or something. Um, so what? Uh, so they caught the guy. They they put him in the interrogation. So what's the what's the reason that they can't nail him for it? Because he didn't do it. Yeah, but that's just logistics, right? So what's the real reason? <clears throat> well, first of all, like I want to I want to talk a little bit about. I thought that this guy wasn't going to be the same guy. I just thought it was, oh, red underwear again. 
Um, but then he like admits, he's like, no, it was me. And he's like, you know, I have this sick wife at home. Um, I just, and I have all these kids and I'm living in this like one room thing. Like I just have to go out to the woods to take care of this. And like the, the cut from detective Cho looking at the magazines to being in the interrogation room, I think was really flawless. And I actually like missed that it happened a couple of times. Um, but yeah, he's basically like, oh, well, the, you know, the, these lurid stories of these girls getting raped and killed is like better than the magazines, which is like, all right, well, you're not a good person. Um, but yeah, you probably didn't do this. Did he want to go down for it? Yeah, he did, didn't he? No, no, he didn't want to go down for it. They, once again, were torturing him to get him to admit to it. And he looked awful. Like he looked, you know, he went from looking like pretty normal and to looking like fucking Gollum from Lord of the Rings, like <laughs> hunched over as he's telling the story. Um, and then he does that thing, you know, where he's like, I lost consciousness and woke up in the bottom of the shit house at the school. And that just like sets detective so off like, Oh, wait, where did you hear that story? And he's like, well, everyone knows that story. And that's like when he goes to the school. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think that guy wanted to be caught. I think he was fucking tortured. <laughs> he was just like the same with Quang Ho, like a little bit of like whatever. That's why that's why it works. I will tell you what that's why it works to get false confessions, because it's like I will tell you what whatever you want to hear to stop what is happening, because what is happening is so awful. It's not why it works to get false confessions. That's why that's why torture specifically doesn't work. That's like semantics. I said that's why it works in getting false confessions. Yeah, but you said it weird. Not really. I didn't like the way you said it. Well, you want to, re- uh, just so everyone knows here at I Finally Watched, we're against torture. Just Alan really wants you guys to know that if it wasn't clear. Have we gotten to the part where they start chasing Quan uh, Ho? No. No. I don't want to get to that part, David. It's a sad part. I don't like it. Well, we'll tread lightly when we get there. We're at the part where he goes to the school and you see all the kids training for if there's a, you know, a bomb nearby and and what they do. And this is where he he meets the little girl. And if you really like can't recognize this little girl, I'm going to put a bandage on her back. And I, I didn't make the connection of why he was doing it when it happened. Cause like, you don't want to foresee like something happening to one of the characters, but as he's walking up that hill, I'm like, Oh, he's going to find that fucking bandaid. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, I also thought that scene was like the little girl was like, I can do it myself. He's like, no, I'm going to do it. And I was like, all right, that's a little creepy. Like couldn't do that nowadays. Which is, cop would come off as super creepy. <laughs> Flashback to, when uh, Detective Su is like trailing her, <laughs> freaked out, and then gets drop kicked by Park. Right? Yeah. yeah. He, I guess, he just doesn't have a meter for knowing, like, not to cross the line and look like a weirdo. Um, but this leads him to finding the crying woman. I love the teacher who's in the in the shit house and like yells at him. He's like, "Why do you?" <laughs> he tells the little girl, "Like, I don't have time to do that." And then the teacher yells at him, "Like, oh, so I guess you have all the time in the world to just be running around shit houses." Yeah, that was funny. And and that goes back to what you were saying about Bong Joon-ho trying to fit like these comedic moments in his film that yeah, I mean the most obvious one is that um Detective Parks and Detective uh Joe are just so bumbling, so idiotic, but also in a way takes their job very seriously. 
and so must we as the audience. But then you have like him going through the the restroom and being freaked out by just a normal teacher going to the restroom. But it's it comes off as funny. Um, but he finally like what that is backs out to a hill and the hill backs up to a house and the house is where the crying woman is. Well, and the teacher points it out like that's where, um, you know, that's where she would be. Uh, and that, you know, we've heard her crying. That's where the story comes from. Um, what I thought was interesting is like he kind of is talking to her and she runs in the house and then he looks at her clothesline and sees red. And he's like, oh, she must have. Because she owns a red shirt, she must have had something happen to her. Oh, is that why they focus on the clothesline? I didn't even pick that up. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really make sense. But um, but this is where you learn that uh, soft hands are very important to figuring out who did this. Yeah. Um, and so it cuts back to the interrogation room and the guy is being hung upside down trying to be, you know, they're trying to get a confession out of him. And Detective Sud just walks in, feels his hands. He's like, this isn't him. Let him go. And you get kind of a big fight between Park and Su. Like, kind of their last big fight, really. Yeah, because something is really, really cool is about to happen. Well, the, the chief walks in and starts, like, throwing shit. And then uh, Officer Kwan, like, screams, like, a very shrill, like, loud scream, like, something's ha- like someone's going to be murdered. And then, of course, like the song is playing. Yep. And that's when the next death happens. And uh, it like it really affects them. Like this is like, you know, the chief says like, oh, because you guys were fighting, that's when she was killed. But it's like, that's not necessarily. That's not their fault. No, like they. it's not like they were going to run out and like immediately like find them, you know, like. But it, it is it does hit home that like they need to work together. Right. And then, like, this is a, a part, this is, like, straight, like, kind of seven-type stuff. But, like, the next victim, they find, like, a cut-up peach in her vagina. That is very, like, seven stuff. And, okay, explain to me why. Because at that point, I guess it's just, like, an escalation of the psyche of the serial killer. But why a peach? Why a vagina? Well, I mean, where else would he put it? I don't know. He's, these are sexually motivated crimes, so I didn't question that part of it. I, I just I didn't know why it was why the peach. Um, you know, also this like this part of the movie when he comes in on the guy hanging upside down really made me think about Detective Suh. Is he obviously has a problem with the way detective park and Cho go about their business with the torturing, but he doesn't do anything to stop it. What could he do? Make them stop it. (laughs) Yeah. But he probably kind of just sees like, Hey, I'm not really like a part of this team. Like I'm not really like from this town. Like, okay, if you guys want to do it this way, do it this way, but I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. But but it's also like the chief clearly doesn't want to like have them torturing people either, right? The new chief, because he comes in with the rope and he's like, "Why the were you guys fucking hanging that guy upside down?" Um, You know, he doesn't want it to happen either. And like he kind of when they bring in their next suspect, really like takes he's in the room with them because he thinks this one. He thinks this would be the guy, but two, he's like, "I can't leave you guys alone anymore." 
He actually um, punishes Detective Suh. I mean, De- Detective Joe pretty hard. Kicks him down the fucking stairs. Again, kicking is his comeuppance, you know? Yeah. Um, when Quan, Detective Quan, or sorry, Officer Quan says she will go get the postcard, I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, me too. Like it's, yeah, it's raining like right now. Like, why are you going? Um, but nothing, nothing really happened with that. Um, and this leads to they find the postcard and you know this is the scene where detective park like rips out all the pictures because he's like i think this is the real turning point for detective park where he's just like this you know i've been fucking doing this all wrong and like people are getting killed i think that is a like the definite change for him as far as like him going sort of in the direction of becoming a better cop and and maybe a little bit detective son like kind of losing himself in this case yeah um but we get the new suspect uh who works in the office and therefore will have soft hands. Introducing Mr. Mr. Soft, soft hands. hands. Yes. Um, when he, when you see him, when they first show his face and he's just got this blank expression, I was like, Oh, that motherfucker did this. Yeah. That is, that is the guy. So I'm trying to remember it. They, they go to the office. They're like, where does he live? And he goes to the lives and then goes to the house and he's not at his house. Right. Where was he? He was at work. He works at the factory. The factory where that last victim was killed. The one that, you know. Across from the factory on the road. Yes. Right. And he works in an office, which is why his hands, you know, are soft. And he also started working. You work in an office. Your hands soft? pretty soft have you ever danced with the devil in the moonlight so he started working in september of last year which is right before the first victim yeah um he was in the military so he would obviously like he is the perfect suspect is what i'm getting at and they found him right they kind of they um there's always this like factor whenever they find the suspect that it's like oh he couldn't have done it because of this or he couldn't have done it because of that and now through like legitimate detective work, mostly thanks to Detective Suh, they have finally found their guy. It's actually Detect- uh, Officer Kwan, really. Uh, she, she was really the MVP. Yes, I know. But, but she's uh, a woman in a male-dominated workforce, so she doesn't get the credit she deserves, and we give it to Detective Suh. Anyways, it was really the postcard, right? The real, the, the real MVP is the postcard. And well, and he admits to the postcards. He does not deny that he listens to the song or that he sent in the postcards. So now this is where it comes in where you just think it's a coincidence that every time he rains, he gets sad. Every time he gets sad, he requests to listen to that song on the radio. Every time he listens to the song on the radio, it's raining because he gets sad during that time and the murderer likes to kill in the rain. Except he has to send that postcard ahead of time, right? Because it has to get there. And then he has to ask them. He actually says on the postcard, please play this on a rainy day. Um, He also doesn't, you know, he says that he listened to the whole program, but then he doesn't know what the last song was. And this happened, you know, just a couple days ago. And particularly, he doesn't know that they actually called out his postcard that he sent in asking for that song. So they like, they, they did a shout out to him and he can't remember that. Also super suspicious. 
So why don't you think he did it? Because the DNA doesn't match. He clearly didn't do it. No. No, that's not true. It came back as inconclusive. Yeah, that means it didn't match. No, I had a biopsy. It came back as inconclusive. Doesn't mean it was going one way or the other. It's inconclusive, meaning they didn't have enough DNA to make a conclusive decision. This is based on a true story, and the guy wasn't caught until 2019. Was he actually caught? Yeah. Who is it? I want, I want to talk about it in the end. It's a guy whose name you won't know. Mr. Soft Hands? It was not. The guy had soft hands. This is a different Mr. Soft Hands. I don't even know that this guy, Mr. Park Soft Hands, is an actual person. Like, this is based on a really, like, I think what's considered to be the first serial killer in South Korea. So um, cool. Yeah, it's a really like famous story, and it's like I wanted to talk about all this of this in the end, and I will when we get to it. Okay, well we're almost there because basically after all this, um, wait, are we even at at Quan Ho's killing yet? Uh, we're about to be. I I did want to point out more in this. Like one, this is when uh. You know, Cho does his final drop kick because Detective Su is trying to get uh, Soft Hands to react. And Soft Hands finally reacts, and the chief has already told Cho not to do it. And he's like, "Don't come in the interrogation anymore," and kicks the shit out of him. Um, but also, like Soft Hands is obviously acting super suspicious. But you know, he does bring up, he's like, "You guys torture people all the time. Everyone knows it. I'm not going to let you torture me into a false confession." So, like, there is like. He could just think these guys aren't – I shouldn't respect these guys, and if I say anything to them, it's only going to be used against me. Um, so it's like what's the point, you know? Right. What is important after this is that the moment of realization hits Detective Su and Detective Park that Quang Ho witnessed this. I think that's a really cool moment, and the movie is so well put together before that to set this up. And I think it's a really good payoff. It's probably one of the best payoffs of the movie. Um, and this is when we go find Quang Ho. And Detective Cho happens to be at the same establishment and gets a little rowdy because all the people in the establishment are talking shit about cops and Detective mm-hmm. Cho doesn't like that. Yeah. Um, and then he gets a nail in the leg from Quang Ho, which is um, very deserved. Is it? Is it not? Well, I mean, he ends up losing his foot. More than just his foot. His, like, entire leg below the knee? Yes. Yeah. I mean, is that, like, yeah, he's an asshole? Did he drop kick a few people? Yeah. Did he, try, Did he and like, send, try and send people to jail for crimes they didn't commit? Yeah. But does that justify you losing your entire leg? Yes. Oh. He didn't just drop cap, kick a couple people. It was like his move. It was like his stone cold stunner. Um, okay. Uh, he lost his leg. And here's kind of like the full circle of his arc is that he's like maybe humbled by this a little bit. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We don't get that. <laughs> there's, there's not like a, a we get a, a an epilogue, but it is not focused on Detective Cho. Yeah, it's uh, Detective Cho never really mattered in the end, anyways. 
You know, what's funny too is before they go and find Quang Ho there and before they realize that he's a witness, they're talking about how like that ruined the investigation. And then when they find uh, Quang Ho, he runs from them because he's scared they're going to torture him again. And it's like, because they tortured him, he runs off and then eventually gets hit by a train. And so it's like, if they, you know, if they hadn't have done that um, in the beginning, then that, you know, they may have been able to find the guy. What I find it crazy is they're like, you know, did they ask him, did you witness the murder? And he's like, I already told you I witnessed it. <laughs> he's like, I thought that, I thought you guys knew that's what I was saying. Like I went all over all those details. And then the, he says that the guy is pretty, is very handsome, like way more handsome than me, but then won't ID the picture. And that's when he runs off. Yeah. And I guess he won't ID the picture just because he's no, because the other people were like catching up to them. And he got spooked. I don't know. It, it, he had time to say yes, um, but it wasn't that guy. So, you know, What's interesting is uh, Detective he get, Park... He, he gets hit by a train. He does. What did I say? Nothing. You completely skipped that part. I think I mentioned it. Quang nope. Ho dies. Quang Ho sad. dies. Yep. Um, after this, his, his girlfriend, Detective Park's girlfriend, is like, is it safe for you to be here? Like, he's in trouble for, for killing uh, Quang Ho. But then, like, the next scene, they're, like, all back together, like, talking to, uh, I guess, one of the uh, one of the people doing, like, the, I can't think of a fucking word. Hold on. It's not mortician. It's the medical examiner. Yeah. Okay. But then the next scene, he's talking to the medical examiner with the other cops, and they're like, oh, we found semen, and we're going to send it to America to match it. Which, by the way, in real life, when they did this, they had to send it to Japan. Um, but in this, they sent it to America. I didn't think sending it to America made much sense. but Well, they couldn't do it in their country. That's why. But no, they had I, to... I understood that, but I don't know why you sent it all the way to America because of, what, the FBI? Uh, I think in the movies trying to say that it's the only place that had the technology to do it. Um, but this requires them to watch soft hands until the, they get the DNA back. Do you think Detective Suh is responsible for soft hands getting away? Because he fell asleep? Yeah. I would like to know how soft hands knew at that moment he would be falling asleep and then he could make his escape well the, the bus was moving it was really just kind of bad fortune and he woke up in time to stay with him but his car wouldn't start so it's really the car his, him falling asleep didn't have much to do with anything what uh what actually happened in real life i don't know that the in reading in on i don't know that the cops are real um yeah okay so we'll talk about what happened with the killer at the end of the movie because i think it's pretty interesting um the scene where we're at the, you know, we're first person, the killer, and we see Detective Park's girlfriend, and then we see the little girl from the school. It's like, there's so much to like unpack from that, because it's like, you know, the killer has to make this choice. And it's like, almost like, who's going to be punished? Is it Detective Park or Detective Suh? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
they're both close with one of these women. Um, I thought it was like a pretty interesting way to like really like bring in the audience at the end. And I was really like, oh, who the fuck's gonna get it? Like that's you know sad. And then in the end, it's obviously the the girl. Um, and that's you know the final scene where he's like walking in the rain to go check, and he like sees the bandage being pulled off. And then he like puts her, you know, he pulls her clothes down to like, you know, so people can't see her, like, you know, her bare skin. And the, the one, the one medical examiner is like, Hey, what are you doing? Why are you touching that? So I like just wanted him to like chase him down the hill and be like, why did you do that? Like, this is the point where they care about crime scenes. Like never before. <laughs> well, actually, if you want to look at it that way, you could look at that. The whole little police force of that small town is, has his character arc. Like they didn't give a shit about any evidence or footprint or anything now, but now they're like, oh shit, we're actually in the middle of like a serial killer spree and they start being like serious now. You know what I'm saying? Right too. And the other thing about that scene I didn't mention is it's not raining and that really makes it seem like soft hands because it's like, this is this opportunity, right? Right. Like he can't even wait for the rain. He can't wait for a song to play. He knows he's being watched. And so he has to do it now even though the conditions aren't like perfect for what he wants. Um, and I just thought that that's really interesting because they're really trying to set up this, you know, this is the guy. Um, the final scene is really great. It's in front of that like little train cave um, tunnel. I believe they call those tunnels. And uh, yeah, <laughs> train cave. Yeah. yeah I, thought, I just thought, I think it's a really cool way to end it. Um, you know, soft hands, his DNA didn't match. Detective Suh is going to kill him anyway. And Detective Park, who at the beginning of this movie would have been like, yeah, fuck it, kill him. He's like, yeah. no, you, you can't do it. Um, yeah, is the paperwork. And, and I think it's beautiful, right? Because Detective Suh is all about the paperwork, the paperwork. The paperwork has to make sense. And Detective Parks is like, fuck the paperwork. Let's just go off the cuff. And in this moment where the paperwork says one thing, and Detective Sut is so like beaten to being like, fuck the paperwork. And at the point where Parks is like, no, 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 we have to follow the paperwork. And then with the more beautiful thing after that is the fact that he, when he reads the paperwork, remember you said he's bad at reading things, especially people. He can't read. We can't read tests. English. We but can't read only, English. He, not only can he not read English, but he can't like, like understand what the test says one way or the other right well even right after that too he's like after he sees the paperwork he grabs soft hands and he's like look me in the eyes and then he's like fuck i don't know <laughs> it's like he's never known like he's never been able you can't look at a suspect and just like all right this guy did it um that's just really funny that last line it's great. No, no, it's it's absolutely amazing because you have these two detectives that work two way different ways and then they make that switch at the very end. At the moment where it counts the most and Detective Sub was going to fucking shoot him. And Parks is the one who knocks his hand out of the way um, and he escapes. And I guess he escapes town. Like he leaves the town. Guy had an apartment. He had rent to pay. And he just up and leaves town. Which... Now begs the question, only guilty people really leave town, right? We don't know that he left town because it immediately cuts to like the present day, 2003. Present day, 2003. 18 years ago. Um, what's I found interesting is like 
how old are those kids that he has? They looked like 18, 20 years old. And this last murder was in like 87. So what they at most could be 16 if he got busy right away with his girlfriend or if she was already pregnant. Um, so that was a little weird. Um, but I love the ending of this movie. I love like, you know, he he's a it's salesman creepy. now. It's huh? creepy. The ending is creepy. Right. But he's a salesman. And so he just happens to be pass, passing like the first crime scene. So he st- has the, you know, it's stopped. And instead of being taken out there, he walks out there, right? Like just yeah. shows the change in his character. Um, but the little girl popping up and just being like, oh, another man was here, you know, before you. Um, and he's like, well, what did he look like? He's like, just very plain, just ordinary. And that's totally like a, you know, this could be anybody, right? Like it yep. doesn't have to, it's not going to be some dude with a jacked up face and a scar. It, it could be anyone. And then I just love the ending of this like quick, turn of the head and looking straight into the camera yeah it's so good and the reason he did that it's so cool but then the reasoning behind why it's done is even cooler and it's because bong thought the serial killer at this point hadn't been caught and he thought this guy's gonna watch this movie and i want to stare like right at him like knowing like hey people are still after you and it's like that's so fucking cool oh that is cool so explain to me what happened in real life uh so in real life this guy killed 10 people that they knew about and then apparently killed four other people and then raped like 30 other women. Jesus. And there was a, of the 10 murders that they knew about at the time, the eighth one, they thought a different guy had done it. And I think he actually went to jail. And I think he may have served most, if not all of his time. And then afterwards, like, wanted to be, like, like wanted to be proved innocent. And this guy they had caught around the same time confessed and, like, that, you know, the, this guy didn't have anything to do with it. Um, and it was just kind of showing, like, the police had beaten a confession out of this dude. Like, that, the, like, there were, the, the whole, like, police torturing people aspect of this movie was, like, that was kind of from the real life of this. Um, so they actually so the guy who confessed why did he confess so because well one they got they got D, uh, his dna matched so they're able to match his dna to several of the crime scenes what happened was he actually got um he got convicted of killing like his sister-in-law and in uh, Korea at the time of these killings, there was a 15 year statute of limitations on murder. And so he actually was, he hasn't been convicted of any of the, these serial murders, but he was convicted uh, of killing his sister-in-law. And he was actually, they figured all of this out in um, 2019. Jesus. So, yeah, which is like right around when uh, parasite was coming out, I think. So, um, I mean, good thing they finally caught him, I guess, but it's crazy how like true to the actual events was the movie. Well, I mean, yeah, like it's similar, like like just the, the whole theme of like torture is bad. Right. Yeah. Like you, you know, it's, 
you shouldn't be just finding someone who you think did this. You should find the person who did it. What did you, what did you think about the moment uh, when you first watched the scene where detective Sue is like, fuck the paperwork. And the entire time he's been like pro paperwork. And then detective parks is like, no, we have to follow the paperwork. I love that. You're just like pro paperwork, anti paperwork. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's cool. I, uh, it's obviously like you said, it's just like, and that shot, that shot where the camera's in the tunnel pointing out and the silhouettes. Oh, that's my favorite shot. That's a really good one. As, as Detective Parker's like bent over with his hands on his knees, like, yeah. oh, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. That's the moment he quit. He's like, ah, I'm too old for this. Dude, I'd quit after that too. Reminds me of that. Um, what's that movie we watched where the, they quit after like, oh, seven. Where Morgan Freeman is like, yeah, I'm I'm done. Yeah, reminds like, dude, I I would be done too. Yeah, I I mean, like we said, it definitely has like the seven feel of it. Um, it's it's that's what's so great about this movie because it it doesn't feel like there's not like these homages or like these stolen parts of it. It's just like the feel of it is so good. You know what I mean? Like it just it feels like all these other great fucking movies that we love. Um, and it's just like this old, you know, it's, it's kind of an older movie and it still feels like if someone told me that was shot last year, I'd be like, all right, I believe it. Cause it just looks so fucking good. Yeah. If someone said it was shot last year, shot in the mid two thousands, shot in the early two thousands, shot in the late nineties, I'd be like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That makes sense. It's just yeah. like no special effects, no weird blood, no like, Everything practical, everything kind of like down to earth, but the writing just holds up so well. Absolutely. We like our next, our next Bon Juho movie has to be Mother. Like feel wise, it's so closely related to, um, to this one. All right. Elevator pitch. What's it about? Um, it's about like a murder that's unsolved in a small town in Korea. <laughs> I, I am so in. I can't wait. For as long last... as there's, as long as there's at least one mother, we're we're good to go. The first scene involves the mother. There, um, we, there we go. It's pretty great. It it's yeah. Well, yeah. No, I I can't wait to watch mother and his his dog one. Yeah, barking dogs don't bite. Barking dogs don't bite. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and we finally both watched Memories of Murder. <laughs>